Hello everyone, this episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. To download a free audiobook, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacherluke or click one of the images on my website that says Audible. Okay, let's get started with this episode. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello there, welcome back to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. How are you? I hope that you're fine. I always say that at the beginning of episodes, but I suppose it's a kind of habit now, isn't it? I have to start with something, so why not start by asking you how you are? Obviously, you can't really respond. Uh, you could always leave a comment on the website or send me a message or just imagine your response in your own head. Uh, you can do whatever you like because this is Luke's English Podcast, okay? And uh, I like to encourage a sense of freedom and uh, a sense that, uh, you, you know, that there are no boundaries. So even if you're not actually in front of me at this moment in order to respond to my question of how are you, uh, let's not feel... Uh, that that's a problem? No, of course not. No, you can just imagine your response in your own head. And I imagine the response would be, I'm fine, thanks, Luke. Or or something like, oh, I'm a bit busy, actually. I'm on the train. I'm on the way to work. I wish I was uh, in bed or something like that. Anyway, generally speaking, I hope you're fine. You might hear some noise here in the background. And that's because I am currently uh, making myself some coffee uh, I've got like we've got a coffee machine in the kitchen here, um, and uh, yes, I'm making coffee, not tea this time. Usually on the podcast it's tea, but this time I'm I'm doing coffee. Um, now we have a, a Nespresso machine. You know these things that are advertised by George Clooney, Nespresso. What else? Well, I think there are other options, but anyway, we've got a Nespresso machine. But the thing is, we've run out of Nespresso capsules. You know, the little capsules you need to make espresso coffees with this machine. We've run out of the capsules. So what I'm doing now is using this Nespresso machine just purely as a, as a method of heating up water. Because um, it's quite good at that. It's, it just sort of heats up the water as it comes through. And it pours out like a little stream of hot water. And I can use that to make instant coffee. So this is the sort of cheap version of Nespresso, if you like. Um, I've got a, um, I've got a, uh, a glass jar of um, pretty cheapo instant coffee. And uh, so you just add a spoonful of instant coffee into the bottom of the mug. And then uh, simply use the Nespresso machine to apply hot water to the instant coffee. And Bob's your uncle you've got some nice uh, instant coffee. It's not quite as good as the Nespresso stuff, but it's good enough for me, and um, it's better than nothing, isn't it? So I'm now going to press the button on the Nespresso machine. You're going to hear a noise. So what I'm going to do in order to prevent the uh, noise from being too distracting on the podcast, I'm going to press the button, and then I'm going to run to the other side of the room. Don't worry, I'll be careful. I'll run to the other side of the room so that you don't get like that loud, disturbing noise of an espresso machine, okay? So here we go. Could you hear that? Could you hear the noise disappearing into the background? I don't know. What's going on here? Well, I'm currently in my flat, as you can imagine, uh, and I'm not up in the pod ship or the sky pod or the space dream pod or whatever, you know, I'm choosing to call it. I'm not in there. Instead, I'm sort of going mobile 
uh, in the flat in this episode, um, just because I'm in the middle of doing stuff. You know, I haven't, I've just had my breakfast and I'm now attempting to make some coffee. I need to give it some more water. So we're going to have to do this again. We're going to have to do the button push and then dash across the room again. Okay, there we go. There we go. Um, so I've just had my breakfast. I'm making a bit of coffee. And then what I'm going to do is tell you about my wedding day because this is the wedding episode. So that's the plan for this episode. Um, as you know, a couple of uh, weeks ago, I got married. That's right. And this is, this is your opportunity to uh, give me congratulations and go... I imagine the whole world is now applauding loudly and, you know, shouting and cheering uh, expressions of congratulations to me. Um, And so in this episode, I'm going to tell you about my wedding day, including aspects like the preparation of the day, the thoughts, feelings and emotions that um, I experienced and just what happened on the day itself. So what actually happened uh, during our wedding? Uh, I'm not sure how long this episode will be. But I will aim to keep it to just one episode. I mean, I could, you know me, I could ramble on and on, um, especially about sort of a, a day like this. But I'm going to aim to keep it uh, in just one episode. Okay, so this is the wedding episode. And you're going to hear specific vocabulary related to weddings. And you can just follow this personal account of my marriage in France uh, between an English guy, that's me, and a French girl, that's my wife, of course. Uh, and I'm going to describe lots of things in this episode, including how we organized our wedding, the roller coaster of emotions we experienced, uh, why we chose a civil marriage outside and not a religious one in a church, and what marriage really means to me and to my wife. So that's what you can expect in this episode. So strap yourself in and join me on a little journey into marriage land for this special episode of Luke's English Podcast. Okay, now uh, let me just make sure that my coffee is ready. Okay, I think that's enough water there in the coffee. Instant coffee, it's, you know, it's not the best coffee in the world, but as I've said, it's better than nothing, you know. Um, You know me, I am a tea drinker, but in the mornings, often, I like a nice cup of coffee just to get the day started. Um, Now, it's August in Paris at the moment. And generally speaking, uh, in August in Paris, the city just sort of goes dead because most of the residents go away. They leave Paris and they go into the countryside or they go somewhere else on a holiday. And so it feels like the whole city just collectively takes the month off. So it's much quieter outside than it normally is. The place is really quite dead, which is brilliant, of course, because finally... It feels like Paris is a lot more relaxed in August than it is in other parts of uh, during other parts of the year. But the downside of that is that lots of things are closed. Lots of businesses and shops and restaurants and things will close for the month of August. Uh, but it's a nice peaceful time. And uh, I'm not working. Uh, both the university and the British Council where I work, they are both closed at the moment. So there are no courses running. And so I'm on holiday. Um, and also... I'm preparing to go on my honeymoon with my wife, um, and I'll tell you more about that, um, I think, in this episode. So, uh, first of all, before we go any further, let me make a few announcements. Um, So, I've I've already described the the, 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 situation... I've already described the situation... 
in which I'm recording this episode, sitting here in my kitchen, cup of coffee, everything's good. Um, I'd like to just say welcome to any new listeners to this podcast, because um, I seem to have picked up a lot of new people recently, and I've had quite a lot of comments on the website from people saying that they've just discovered Luke's English podcast, and that they're now addicted to the show, and that's great. So welcome to the club. Um, welcome to this kind of uh, sect that I have here called Luke's English Podcast. I hope that you enjoy being part of the LEP gang. Um, I would recommend that you join the mailing list unless you've already done that. Uh, on the website, on the right-hand side, you'll see something that says um, join the mailing list. So do that. You'll get an email um, every time I upload either a new episode or something else. Like, for example, recently I, I uploaded a video of me doing a Periscope uh, live video broadcast. Uh, that um, that That's not part of the RSS feed for Luke's English podcast. It's just an extra thing. So if you join the mailing list, you'll also get um, announcements of these extra stuff that I, I put there sometimes. Um, I'd like to say hello to, to some recent commenters on the website. Uh, hello to Roberto Bispo dos Santos, Erico Cato, Christina Fadiva, Olga Verb. I don't know if that's your official name or just a username. Olga Verb, um, Angela, Roberto Geronimo, CFA, and uh, Denis from Istanbul, Cal Mafadd which I imagine is not your real name. It must be some sort of username that you're using to to write comments because how do you pronounce that? Kalma, Kalma, I don't know anyway, but welcome. And also uh, welcome to Javier. Um, and thank you, Javier, for coming to a recent live show, a live comedy show that I did at the Pan Am in Paris. Um, hello, as always, to uh, P.T. Holome, who is a regular commenter. And it's always lovely to read your comments. And also, hello to Anonymous, uh, someone who uh, often comments um, on the website. Although I don't know if it's one person or if it's lots of people using the same Anonymous name. Anyway, well, hello to you anyway. Uh, hello to Martin. Hello to Lotus Mar 629 uh, Juan Mora. Rogan Tadayag. I'm not sure where all of you are from. Some of you are already quite regular commenters. Um... Some of you are new, uh, but thank you very much for your comments. It's always uh, good to read your contributions. Um, if you have sent me a donation recently, if you sent a donation to Luke's English Podcast via PayPal, then thank you from the bottom of my heart because you are keeping this podcast alive with your contributions and I wouldn't be able to do it without your support. So thank you deeply. You're a, a extra super special mega awesome listener if you've donated via paypal um as i mentioned earlier i joined periscope um which is this app that you can get on your phone and it allows you to uh view people's live video broadcasts from around the world and also it allows you to do your own live video broadcasts okay so i joined periscope and i did a live broadcast recently and you can see the video of my first periscope broadcast on my website just check out um well it's it's a post that came between episode 283 is it 283 and uh, which where is it where is it okay it's a it's a post that came i think between episode 284 and 285 so if you check the archive on the website or if you check the recent episodes uh, list on the website you'll see it there um so if you want to check out the video you can um 
And you can also follow me on Periscope by searching for my Twitter name, which is at English Podcast, or just search for Luke Thompson on Periscope and you should be able to find me. You can watch Periscopes without the app. You can watch them on uh, a computer and there's a link that you'll see there on my webpage for this episode. Um, From time to time, I will do live broadcasts on Periscope. Probably when recording podcast episodes. I'm not doing one right now because I just didn't feel like it because I like to put the podcast first. Um, I've been a little bit quiet recently except for uh, a new episode which I uploaded yesterday. And that is for the usual reasons. Life has been very busy. I got married, as uh, you're going to find out in this episode. Uh, We went to Italy for a very quick romantic getaway uh, after our wedding. Um... And that was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I've been occupied at the British Council teaching English all day, every day. And that has only just stopped uh, for the holidays. And of course, we've been planning our proper honeymoon, which begins in just a couple of days. In fact, we leave in two days. Uh, Where am I going? I'll tell you later. All right. Also, I've been doing quite a lot of comedy in the evenings. Um, and I've had various opportunities for comedy gigs over the last two weeks, and uh, so I've been quite busy. And that that uh, the comedy stuff that includes a one-hour special show that I did with my friend Paul Taylor, who you know from the podcast. We did thirty minutes of stand-up comedy each. That was last Thursday evening. The title of our show is Taylor and Thompson. Sorry, we're English. That's the working title of our comedy show at the moment. Um, And it's a show that we expect to perform on a regular basis here in Paris on either Thursday or Friday evenings, and there will be more details to follow. Um, I've had lots of positive responses to episodes I did recently with Paul and Amber Minogue, and I do plan to have them both on the podcast regularly. In fact, I have plans to record something with Paul and Amber later this afternoon. Um, Amber has a young child to look after, as well as her normal working life and so on, so it is a little bit more difficult to get her on Luke's English podcast, but she loves doing it and recording episodes of the podcast. That was a joke. Never mind. So she's very happy to uh, join uh, me on the podcast whenever she can. Um, So um, I'm going to do a podcast with them both later today, and I'll upload that as soon as I can. Um, I'm going on my honeymoon in a few days, so I will be gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm recording a few podcast episodes now in the in the in the next couple of days before I go away, and I plan to upload them all before I go. So you should have some stuff to listen to. Uh, I might record some things when I'm on my honeymoon. We will see. Um, I'll be on holiday with my wife, of course, so I'm not sure that I'll be in the mood for podcasting because you know I'll be on holiday. But then again. Uh, we are going to an interesting place, so there could be some great opportunities to talk with certain people. Let me tell you where I'm going. Okay, now originally we planned to go to South America, but those plans fell through uh, because uh, we left it too late. Um, so in- instead, we're going to go to California. Uh, now, some of you might be thinking, oh, really, Luke, you're going to America again? That's a bit of a cliche. Couldn't you go somewhere else this time? Well, no. As I said, we were going to go to South America. We were going to go to Peru and Bolivia, and we were going to climb the Inca Trail, um, and we really want to do that. Uh, but because we left it so late, because we were too busy organizing our wedding, um, we um, yeah, we left it too late and the Inca Trail is fully booked because they only let a certain number of people go on that trail every day and it's fully booked. And we thought to ourselves, well, um, we really want to do that trail 
as well as see all of the other amazing things in in those two countries as much as possible. So what we're going to do is uh, we'll come back to South America and we'll do it at a later date. And instead, this time, we've decided to go with something that we imagine will require slightly less planning, a holiday that could be a bit easier because... It was a very long and quite a stressful process preparing the wedding. And what we want now is just a holiday that's adventurous and fun, but also is kind of a little bit easier. And we think that California has got the infrastructure and and uh, obviously it's an English-speaking place. And um, we know it a little bit already. And so basically we're going for the easy option of going to California. But I'm planning to take my um, audio recorder with me and um, so there may be some great opportunities to talk to American people uh, in California and also just give an account of, of our trip. So we will see. My wife is totally cool with me recording stuff while we're there. In fact, she wants me to interview some of the locals because she finds it interesting. But I'm not sure if I want to be thinking about doing podcasts when I'm on my honeymoon. You know, I might just want to relax and enjoy being a tourist and enjoy spending, you know, quality romantic time with my wife. But still, I am going to bring a microphone and a recorder so we will see what happens. If I get a chance to record something from, for example, from inside a toilet on another mode of transport, then I will take it because I've never recorded something from inside a helicopter or inside a hot air balloon. So we will see if I get the opportunity to do that. Last year, almost a year ago exactly, I um, was recording an episode of Luke's English Podcast from inside a toilet in a plane somewhere above the Middle East uh, on the way to our holiday in Indonesia. And I did a podcast about that. So who knows, I might do a podcast about our trip to California. Um, So we will see. Now, let's get down to business and talk about this wedding. Okay, so I got married. I'm now a married man. I'm wearing a wedding ring on the fourth finger of my left hand, uh, um, and um, it's I'm starting to get used to it now after a couple of weeks. It was a bit weird to wear the ring at first. It felt a little bit uncomfortable and odd because I've never worn jewellery on my hands. I've never worn rings or anything, so it felt a bit weird. But now it's it's I'm already getting used to it, and I, I absolutely love wearing it. Um, I think it's it's wonderful. It's made of platinum, and obviously it's just a, a symbol of um, my, you know, marriage to my gorgeous wife. And so I'm proud to be wearing it. And it's it's very nice. It's shine, very shiny as well. Um, and so um, it's only been a few weeks since the wedding. Uh, we are currently in marital bliss. Marital bliss, that's the sort of joy and uh, bliss that you experience immediately after getting married. So we're in mar- marital bliss or we're, we're in the honeymoon period as it's known. Hopefully this feeling will continue for a long time to come. Um, I'm planning to do another episode after this one in which I deal exclusively with the vocabulary of weddings. But in this one, I'm not going to teach you any words directly in this episode right now. I'm just going to tell you about my wedding and try and, you know, communicate what it was really like. But of course, plenty of wedding-related vocabulary will crop up during um, this episode in my descriptions. Um, I'll go through that more explicit. Uh, I'll go through the vocabulary more explicitly in another episode in the future, okay? Now, you might be thinking, are you really going to reveal to the world so much about your wedding? That's a bit personal, isn't it? Are you sure it's wise to tell everyone so much about your wedding? Well, 
yes, I am aware of these things. I know that I'm revealing quite a lot about myself online, not just in this episode, but in other episodes of the podcast. I know, for example, that students of mine at the university might hear this and they will then find out all of this personal information about their teacher at university. And this might affect their professional, it might affect my professional relationship with them. But I don't feel I have anything to hide exactly. And I share, I share this story with you, my listeners here, with the expectation that you will listen to it with a sense of respect for me and my wife, and that you'll be respectful with the personal information I'm giving here. I share this information in good faith And that is what I expect in return from you as a listener. Of course, I don't really need to say these things to the LEP community uh, because I think that there is an implicit level of trust between you and me. I hope so anyway. I think that's hopefully something I've built up over the last 285 episodes, a sense of mutual respect and trust. Um, But still, um, I am sharing personal information about my wedding day, I'm aware that that maybe I'm sharing too much online, uh, but uh, I just hope that people listening to this will, will treat me with respect, um, but you never know. I do realize that revealing personal things about yourself online is a bit risky, because the thing about the internet is that whatever I upload here could end up permanently out there in the online world. Even if I decide to remove this episode from my website, people could have already and probably will have already downloaded it and re-uploaded it or whatever. Even if I get rid of the original version, it could still be available on torrent sites or file sharing sites or other places like YouTube or whatever, okay? So once something is out there on the internet, I feel like that's it, it's out there forever. Um, I don't mean to say that I'm super important and that information about my wedding leaked online could cause some kind of international catastrophe like World War Three or something. No, I just mean that personally, I have to be a bit careful about what I upload, because ultimately it will be in the public domain forever. And sometimes I think it would be wise for me not to mention anything about myself at all and keep it all private. Um, but I am willing to do it. Okay, I am willing to talk about these things, but please do understand that I do this with the expectation that you will treat me with the same level of respect that I treat you. And something personal like my wedding, I expect you to treat it with a suitable level of care and discretion. Okay, um, I mean, what, what's, yeah, I, I just know that some people think, oh, it's not wise to say so much about yourself. Well, I know the risks. I'm sure that most of you understand all of this. So it's fine. I just wanted to mention it, though. Um, So let me now tell you the story of my wedding. Um, Remember, I plan to do another episode in which I deal specifically with the vocab, and that will come later. Okay, so where on earth should I start in this incredibly romantic and uh, touching story of true love uh, across borders? Um, This series of days, the series of days around the wedding, was the culmination of not just months and months of planning, but also years of a relationship that I've had with my girlfriend who, well, she's not my girlfriend anymore because now she's my wife, of course. Um, It was a very emotional few days, full of the joy of life. I've never experienced anything like it. And my wife and I and many of our family and friends are still buzzing about it today. 
it the 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 day itself went better than we could have expected so let me tell you about it um you now you might also be thinking at this point but wait a minute luke you already got married didn't you get married in april you mentioned it in another episode not long ago well yes that is right i did get married in april too but i got married twice to the same girl uh, now, if that is confusing, don't worry, because I will explain it in this episode. Basically, it's relating, it relates to the idea of civil marriage and the, the, the other type, either religious or, or, or um, what's the word for it, secular marriage. And I'll explain it, okay? So, um, there are, by the way, uh, notes and partial transcript for this episode on the page uh, on teacherluke.co.uk. Some of it's fully transcribed. Some things are just notes. Um, and so it's a mix of transcription and um, me just improvising this episode. But you can find a lot of stuff, a lot of things that will help you to follow what I'm saying on the webpage for this episode. So just go to teacherluke.co.uk and find this one, which I think is episode 285, is it? No, it's 286. Yeah, okay. So let's begin at the beginning. Um, how did I meet my wife? How did I meet her? Uh, we met in a restaurant um, in London in in uh, sort of 2010. So uh, basically, it was an anti-Valentine's night out. What does that mean? Well, you know, Valentine's Day, the 14th of uh, February, is that day where uh, couples get together and they have dates with each other, right? And it's also a time when single people feel a bit fed up. Um, because they don't have a, a date to go out with. So on the 13th of February, um, we, um, uh, on the 13th of February, uh, my cousin's friend, who is also now my friend, decided that he would go out with his girlfriend, but he would invite, he would invite some male friends and she would invite some female friends. And one of the female friends that was invited was my now wife. And that was the first time I met her. Now on that evening, I didn't want to go out. I was quite happy to stay in and um, just like play my PlayStation and enjoy being a single man. I didn't actually want to go out. My cousin, Ollie, who you know from the podcast, persuaded me to leave my comfortable apartment and actually go out. He, he, he persuaded me. He was like, come on, come out. Come on, there, there'll be girls there. And I was like, there'll be girls there. Oh, all right then. So that was, that was the most, his most persuasive argument, that there would be girls. So uh, we went out and uh, we're in this restaurant and one of the girls around the table was uh, my, my now wife and we hit it off. We just sort of, um, you know, got on with each other. And I have to admit, there was immediately a spark there. There was immediately some chemistry. I could feel it in the room, in fact, and it was coming from her and she could feel it and it was coming from me. There was just something that you can't really put your finger on, but just a general feeling uh, of chemistry in the air, of electricity between us. And that is a feeling that continues to this day. And I hope that we will maintain that feeling uh, for forever. Um, I think that's I can't really explain it, but I think it's just, you know, the combination of our personalities. There's something that, that means that we are automatically attracted to each other. Um, and um, I think that's probably the wellspring from which our love for each other comes. But um, immediately there was a feeling uh, between us. Uh, was it love at first sight? 
Well, I'm not sure about that uh, because it's hard to say, isn't it? But uh, certainly, uh, we, we started sort of immediately. You could we kind of uh, had this connection straight away, and that connection has never been broken. So maybe you could say it was love at first sight. For me, it didn't really develop into what you know we both consider to be true love until a bit later on. But I think it was just an extension of the same sort of feeling that we had when we met each other. Um, and so we, we, you know, saw each other. We, we started going out with each other. Um, she was living in London at the time temporarily after having done her studies. Uh, she was just spending time in London because she worked very hard on her studies. So she took a, a little bit of time off and, and went to London. And that's where I met her. And uh, she only had a couple of weeks left before she had to go back to uh, Paris. And so we saw each other quite a lot in those two weeks. And then she went back and I took her. I remember accompanying her to the Eurostar uh, and waving her off at the Eurostar station. And it was an emotional moment. Um, even just after two weeks, we were all already very attached to each other. And um, so I, I, I knew immediately after she'd gone and took the train, I thought, you know, I could feel that's significant. Something's happened. Um, something's happened. This, uh, this could be the beginning of an adventure. And um, we saw each other, even though she was living in Paris and I was living in London, we maintained a long distance relationship. We used Skype a lot. We used WhatsApp Messenger to keep in touch with each other a lot. Um, I spent a lot of money on phone bills and on Eurostar tickets because we um, made sure that we booked our Eurostar tickets early in advance so that we could uh, spend regular weekends together. She would come to London on the Eurostar and she would uh, take the first Eurostar back to Paris on a Monday morning. So she'd be getting up at 5am in my flat and then, you know, getting a taxi to the Eurostar station. Uh, crazy times, really, really crazy times. Um, but we didn't want to be separated from each other. And so she would leave at the at the absolutely latest possible opportunity, which would be first thing on a Monday morning. So that, that way we would get Sunday evening together. And I would do the same thing coming back from Paris. Uh, I would stay until Monday morning and I'd get an early Eurostar train back. It was easier for me because of the time difference. It meant that uh, I got a little bit more sleep, but uh, for her, a little bit more difficult because you know, she was losing, losing an hour traveling from London to Paris. Uh, but we maintained the relationship with lots of Eurostar visits, and we also you know, had uh, a few little holidays where we met each other in the airport and um, you know, went off on some romantic uh, holiday in Rome or or Barcelona or something like that. So really exciting days. And then, of course, I decided after a couple of years that I would, um, I would just you know, I'd, I'd bring us together by moving to Paris. Um, originally, there was the suggestion that she would move to London because she got down to the final two. Uh, people in a job interview process for a good job in London and right at the end of the process she failed to get the job so that was a very upsetting moment um, and at that point I thought right I think I'd better I better make a step um, and uh, move to Paris and so I did and it's easier for me because there's lots of work available as an English teacher and so I thought right okay I'm going to do it I'm going to leave the UK and I'm going to move to France It'll be different. It'll be weird. I don't speak the language. It's going to be complicated. I'm going to move away from my friends and family. Um, I don't quite know what I'm doing. But I, the reason I'm doing it is because I love this girl and I want to make it work. And if you find someone who 
you have that feeling with, you know, if you find someone that you have a connection with, um, then it's worth chasing it. It's worth following it and it's worth maintaining it uh, and trusting it. And that's exactly what I did. And I think that it has paid off. Uh, I think it has paid off. Um, because we're now together and we're now married, for goodness sake. Uh, it's incredible to think that uh, all of these things have happened. Um, so what made you move to France? Well, I've just explained that. Um, and why did you choose to get married? That's another question. Well, I was never a, f- a huge fan of marriage. I've never really been a big marriage type person. Neither of us were, really. We used to talk about marriage and we agreed that it wasn't really necessary. It's never been that important to us. Um, but somehow it felt like the right thing to do. In fact, I decided to propose to her, not because it was necessary, not because there was pressure for us to do it. I decided to propose to her just because I wanted to do it as a declaration of my love and commitment to her, not because I felt any social pressure or any religious pressure or anything like that, but because, as I said, I'd never felt any pressure to marry. I'm not from a conservative or religious background. Um, it did make her parents happy and and my parents happy as well, of course, but they didn't put pressure on us to marry. To be honest, I think that my parents are probably more keen for us to deliver grandchildren than to get married. But anyway, so I proposed to uh, her as a surprise and as a statement of my love and, and commitment. And that is the spirit in which we got married. Um, how did I propose? Well, that's between me and her. I'm not sharing that. That's that's uh, that's private. Okay. Uh, I will talk about what marriage means to us and how it affected the the wedding day um, in a, in a couple of moments. Okay. Um, so how was the wedding planning? Well, some parts of the planning were great, like visiting places in the south of France, doing wine tasting with friends, writing the vows. And also just imagining the event with all of our friends and family there. But admittedly, a lot of the planning process was quite stressful and it was quite a lot of work. We did argue a bit, mainly over the fact that she felt she was doing more work on the marriage than I was, which I think was pretty much true. But I certainly did do a lot too. It's not fair to say that I didn't do anything. Of course, I was doing plenty of things, but she probably was the driving force Uh, We chose to plan the uh, wedding ourselves. We didn't use a wedding planner. Uh, Our parents didn't organize it for us. We did it all ourselves. And that is actually a huge undertaking with many different things to organize. And it all has to be perfect as well. There's a lot of pressure, uh, especially when you're the ones in the middle of the day and you're also organizing it yourselves. Uh, We never really cared about weddings, but suddenly... Um, it becomes important because everyone else is going to be there to see it happen. Suddenly, all of your friends and family who you care about will be there to witness it. And so it, you've got no choice but to try and make it as good as you can. And because of all the photos and the videos, and you only have one wedding day in your life, hopefully. So it becomes more and more important to make it special, to make it unique and wonderful. And as a result, you end up kind of micromanaging and planning everything down to the tiniest detail. And that is time-consuming and costly. Uh, And as a man, it's not really my natural position. You know, I mean, I think I can say, 
I can probably safely say that most men are a bit more laid back about their wedding. They're a bit more sort of relaxed and casual about it. I mean, they don't require so much detail in the planning as most women do, I think. Uh, I think that's generally true. It doesn't mean that we don't care. Of course we care and we want it to be a brilliant day. But we're probably just a little bit easier to please. Um, So what I'm saying is that my wife had a slightly more specific vision of the wedding than me. And that meant that she was pretty much the driving force behind the planning. And I think that frustrated her a little bit. And the, the argument that we might have had went something like this. She would say, I'm doing everything and you're doing nothing. And I would say, I'm not doing nothing. I'm doing loads of things. That's unfair. You can't say that I'm doing nothing. And then she would say, well, you're doing less than me. And I would say, well, yes, yes. Well, you don't let me do more than you because you're in control of everything. You can't just control everything and then complain when I'm not doing it. And she would go, hmm, okay, I suppose you're right. In fact, yes, Luke, I expect you'll be right about everything from now on and I should just get used to it. And I would say, yes, exactly, get used to it. We're married. When we're married, I'll always be right because that's how marriage works. Obviously, the, the dialogue uh, didn't really go like that because at the end it became kind of a joke because let's face it, I will never be right ever again, will I? I have to accept that, uh, but that's fine. Now, don't get me wrong. We didn't argue all the time. We just had a couple of disagreements, which I think is normal in the in the rather stressful experience of planning a wedding. Um, um, so so um, we didn't argue that much. Most of the planning went fine. And in fact, as I said, a lot of it was great fun, especially the visiting of locations in the south of France. There were some beautiful areas of the country where we visited. Um, Also, it was great to choose and taste the food and the wine uh, because we tasted some delicious food that that, uh, um, we ultimately chose for our wedding and also we enjoyed tasting some wine and some sh- and some champagne as well um with our friends also it was an emotional and touching experience writing our own vows to each other which we then actually read out during the wedding day and also it was great fun for me to practice some songs with my brother Jim and my cousin Ollie uh because we played some music um I I played some music at the wedding Uh, a few songs and I was backed up by my brother Jim on drums and my cousin Ollie on bass and I was playing the guitar and singing and that was really fun because we spent a few afternoons in a recording studio practicing Um, and also it was just great looking forward to spending a couple of days in an amazing location with our closest friends and family. Now you might be you might want to know uh, where did you get married and um Tell us more about the actual wedding. Well, I will. I will in a second. But just before we carry on, I'd like to just take a a couple of minutes uh, to tell you about the UK's favourite books. Remember that? Recently, I've been talking about the UK's favourite books as an attempt to just sort of um, encourage you to check them out on audible.com. Okay? you know, I have a, a promotion going on with Audible. Uh, they're the internet's top provider of downloadable audiobooks. And using my unique uh, code, which is audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke, you can get a free audiobook. So I'm just giving you some ideas by going through a list of uh, the UK's most f- favourite books of all time. And this is based on a survey by the BBC. And we are up to um, number 10 in the list. 
And what is uh, number 10? Well, number 10 is Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. And this is the perfect story for this episode about marriage because it is one of the absolute classics of uh, romance fiction. It was published in the 16th it was published on the 16th of October 1847 and the book tells the story of a woman called Jane Eyre who begins her life living through hardships and mistreatment. She gains her independence and her education, falls in love with a man who appears to be out of her reach and enters the tricky world of love, commitment, family and loyalty in the mid-19th century. Um, There are a few twists and turns in the story that you might not expect, and of course plenty of romance. It is read, uh, the audiobook version is read by an actress called Juliette Stevenson, who is one of the UK's most beloved actresses. She hasn't appeared in many international movies, so she might not be that familiar to you, but she is well known on television in the UK, and she has an absolutely beautiful and warm voice, which is perfect for this kind of story. Um, the audiobook version of Jane Eyre um, on, on audible.com has a rating of 4.6 stars out of 5, which is extremely high. This truly is one of the UK's favourite books. You can get it from audible.com free if you're not already a member. It's very simple. Just click one of the Audible buttons on my site. That's one of the pictures that say Audible. Or go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke to sign up to a trial. You can download any audiobook you want. And after 30 days of the trial, you can cancel your membership, but still keep the book. Um, so the audiobook is free. All the details of this offer are on my website. I highly recommend you make the most of it and even continue with a full membership of Audible if you want to. So that was Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte, uh, a beautifully romantic story. So let's go back to the story of my wedding then. Um, so let me go through some of the issues of the, the planning, uh, some of the things that we had to plan. Um, in terms of the most difficult things... Definitely choosing the guest list, uh, choosing the table plan, uh, for my wife choosing the dress, uh, giving people travel and accommodation advice, which was quite complex, and also just choosing and planning and designing the ceremony. These are the more difficult things. But I tell you what, let me go through a list of the things that we had to plan, and I'll tell you uh, a little bit about each thing. Okay, so first of all, we had to plan the location. Where were we going to get married? You know what, actually, before I talk about that, I should explain the double marriage thing. I think that's, um, I think that's, probably, that's probably a good idea. So in April, we got married in London. Now, okay, in France, basically, you, get, you tend to have two parts to a wedding. There's the civil marriage, which is where you get married in the eyes of the law. And then you have another ceremony, which if you want it to be religious, it can be, or otherwise it can just be secular. So you've got the the legal part and then the celebration, either religious or non-religious. So that's two separate things. And what people tend to do in France is they will um, they'll get married in their local town hall, and the mayor of the town will marry them. And then after the the wedding in the morning, the legal part of the wedding, usually in the morning, they will have some sort of celebration later on in that day. It could be in a church, or it could be just in a neutral space if they're not religious. Okay, so two parts of the wedding. In the UK, because we don't have a separation of church and state, in the UK, we tend to do both the legal and the religious or the celebration at the same time. 
So it's typical that you get married in a church. You have the religious ceremony in the church. And then in the church as well, you sign your you sign on the registry. So the legal aspect is done in the same ceremony. Um, now, we chose to get married in France. Why? Why didn't we choose to get married in London? Well, originally, we wanted to uh, get married in a, in a beautiful part of the south of France. Um, and so we... Uh, we actually booked a place in the south of France. I'll tell you about it in a bit. Uh, and so we, the plan was that we would get married in the local town hall next to this beautiful location. And then later on in that day, we'd have our own personal uh, ceremony um, and celebration. Okay, But the town hall in this place said no. Okay? Uh, they said no because, um, because we, we're not from that area. Okay, so they said, no, you're not from this area. You don't live here. You can't get married here. No. So great. We thought that's that's nice. All right. So we need a plan B. Uh, so we kept the the booking of the location for the celebration, but we needed to find another place to actually get legally married. And at this point, we thought, well, why not do it in London? Because there are some members of my family who, because they're old or whatever, they can't travel to the south of France. So let's have our civil marriage in London. And that way, some of those, um, you know, some of my English family members will be able to attend it and it'll, it'll be more balanced. So that's what we did. We got civil married in London, and then we kept the booking at this beautiful location in the south of France for our, our sort of um, uh, uh, secular celebration, all right? Um, so in terms of the location, well, we found, um, let's see, in terms of the location, people during the wedding were saying to us, so, you know, how did you find this place? because it was a beautiful place. They were going, how did you find it? Like, you know, does your wife come from this area or something? Um, No, we don't really have any connection to the place other than we think it's beautiful. So basically, we wanted a place that would be beautiful and gorgeous where the weather would be good. And we wanted it to be a special location, not because we have a connection to it, but just because we we wanted to be married in a beautiful place. So we chose an area of France that uh, has good weather and that also is surrounded by lavender fields in July. So we were quite lucky. We were were hoping that the lavender would be uh, blooming and we were lucky because there was lavender everywhere. So there were beautiful fields of lavender all around us. So we chose that spot because of the weather and because of the lavender. We thought, let's make this a beautiful day for everyone. So we picked that spot. And then after we'd chosen the general area, we went online and looked for uh, places where you can hold a marriage celebration. And we made a short list of places that we liked the look of. And then one weekend, uh, we um, took a train down to the south of France, rented a car and drove around visiting all of these places and sort of testing them out and so on. And all of the places we liked, uh, sorry, all of the places we visited, we didn't like. So for example, the first one, it looked nice, but it was too close to the road. So you got the sound of cars going past, didn't like that. The next one was just too small and the atmosphere didn't feel right. And so on. We kept going through these places until eventually the last place that we saw on a Sunday afternoon we drove through the countryside. It was a beautiful drive. It felt like you were driving out into the middle of nowhere with lavender fields around and stuff. And we drove up a hill, up this track, 
and we climbed up and up and up and up and eventually we got to this location and it was like an old farm on the top of a hill and the farm had been converted into accommodations and a sort of a, a suitable area for, for a wedding and there's a swimming pool and stuff like that and it was really beautiful and clean and nicely presented and when we got up to the top we got out of the car and we looked around there was an amazing view all the way around you could actually because it was on the top of the hill you were first of all cut off from the rest of the world so it gave it a magical feeling of being separated and otherworldly. It's like being on another planet or something. It was really, really atmospheric. But also there was a great view, like a 360 degree view all the way around. And you could see the valley on the other side. And you could see some uh, chateaus, like these these sort of old French buildings and things in the distance. It was really magical. So immediately we were sold on the place. Um, and so that's the place that we chose. We chose it for the atmosphere and for the beauty and for the the, the lavender. And it, it paid off because it really gave the day a magical sort of feeling. Um, so we had to plan the location. We did that. The guest list is is something obviously you have to plan because you, you can't invite everyone. You have to try and scale it down. You've got to be selective. And I found that really hard because... Um, it was a bit like drawing a line but drawing a line through all my friends as if to say you guys can come but you guys can't come it's like you either you're in or you're out and i knew that i was you know for example i was inviting some people and i felt like if i invite these people i've got to invite those people too it felt really difficult because i didn't want to make anyone unhappy and i knew that by not inviting certain people that they would find, you know, they'd, they'd be upset or annoyed or something. I was really sort of um, sensitive about um, who to invite and who not to invite. It made me feel very uncomfortable indeed. But, you know, various people gave me advice and they said, Luke, you've just got to be ruthless about it and just decide who do you really want to be there and and remember that you can't invite everyone. So it was really hard to to divide uh, up my friends between those who were invited and those who weren't. Um, so that that was quite difficult. Uh, but in the end, it was all right. You know, it's all part of growing up. I think that you have to make these decisions. Um, invitations they had to be planned. So we had to to design our own invitations because we wanted something unique and. Um, so we looked around on the internet until we found some invitations that we liked and we picked our designs and we spoke to the designers, you know, with regular emails and suggestions and things until eventually they sent us designs that we were happy with. Um, and um, we had to find out all of the email addresses and home addresses for all of the people that we'd invited and we had to keep sending them uh, email updates with more information. We sent the invites out and everything. We had to keep a record of how many people had RSVP'd to our uh, invites so that we knew exactly who was coming and who wasn't coming. Lots of people didn't RSVP. We had to chase them up with emails. Um, I designed a website for the wedding because um, it was a fairly complicated one because people had to travel to the south of France. Some people were traveling, you know, from England and other places. So we needed to provide lots of support. So I set up a website using WordPress and um, filled it full of information about the location, about accommodation, about driving directions, taxi numbers, um, and uh, local information about, you know, things that people could do if they wanted to make a holiday out of it and stuff like that. So also... Um, 
uh, I made uh, a page for people to to recommend song choices they wanted uh, so they could dance to their favorite songs. So I got a huge playlist of song recommendations from people. That was that was useful because it meant that the the music playlist was was like really popular because everyone had a song that they'd chosen. Uh, we had to choose the food menu, and that involved going back to the venue that we'd booked and, and speaking to the people who worked in the kitchen, you know, the kitchen manager. And she gave us like a, a tasting menu and we tasted the food and it was absolutely delicious. Um, um, but, you know, we we had certain things we wanted, certain things we didn't want. It, didn't want. So we had to kind of uh, go through a big food uh, menu planning process. Um, we had to choose, uh, I had to choose my best man and my wife had to choose her bridesmaids. That wasn't too difficult. The best man, of course, is basically uh, your best friend. The, it's the groom's best friend or the person who's closest to the groom. And so it wasn't really difficult for me to choose my brother, James. So he was the natural choice for the best man. Um, I think if, if, if it hadn't been for Jim, I probably would have chosen Oliver. Um, but uh, Jim... Being my brother, of course, um, we're very close, so he was my first choice. Plus, I wanted to see his speech. I thought, I can't wait to see my brother deliver a speech. It'll be hilarious. Uh, and my, my wife chose bridesmaids. She, she, she had loads of bridesmaids. That's the advantage of, of being the, the bride, that you don't have to just choose one person. You can choose loads of people. So she, she chose um, some of her girlfriends and also a couple of male friends as well. Uh, so she had a huge gang of bridesmaids and bridesmen. Um, and so we had to choose the music and the entertainment for the celebration. And uh, I, as you know, as I play guitar and stuff, I thought, right, I want to play some songs at this wedding. And uh, it's kind of a tradition because at my cousin's wedding, we played some music. Uh, at uh, my other cousin's wedding, we played music as well in a band. So... We've got this family band, which is basically me, my brother, and my cousin. Uh, we don't have a name. We, I thought we'd call ourselves the Thompson Corporation, which is quite a good name, I think. So we might use that as a working title in the future. So I decided that I would uh, play some songs for my wife um, during the wedding. So I had to choose the songs, organize the uh, the band practices, and make sure that we were all playing the songs properly, and I had to learn the lyrics and learn the chords. Um, and uh, that was great. That worked really well um, because, well, sort of music is magical, isn't it? And it's a great way of expressing your feelings towards someone is to sing a song for them. And in fact, sing. Uh, we, I sang five songs for uh, one song of my own that I wrote for my wife and then four other songs. Um, we, um, I also made some uh, music playlists for us to play. And we, we rented a band as well. We actually uh, got a professional band too. So after the Thompson Corporation played our five songs, then the, the proper band, the professional band, came on and played an amazing set. They probably played for about two or three hours and they completely blew us off the stage. They were absolutely brilliant. They were a sort of soul funk band. Totally amazing. Uh, and then I had my music playlists and stuff like that and... Um, now the ceremony. I, I'm I'm not going through this in in chronological order. I understand. Um, maybe I should be doing that, but I've got to just try and get through this list. What I did earlier is I wrote a big list of things. I just sort of um, try to remember the remember everything, and I just threw it all into this list. But I think probably what you want is a story. You you probably want a narrative 
So let's do let's do that then instead of going through this list. So I told you about how I met uh, my girlfriend and how we were separated and how we had to maintain the relationship long distance. And that was difficult and there were difficult times, but you have to keep, you know, you have to stay in touch and you have to keep communicating and make sure that the times when you see each other are special and so on. And then I moved to France and after some time, I proposed to to my girlfriend as an expression of my commitment to her. And thankfully, she said yes. And um, so we then started planning the wedding, as I've been talking about. Now, let's get down to the actual stuff. We had an engagement party in London with our friends. And um, then I suppose the next thing would be the after the planning stuff, there's the, the, the stag do and the hen do. Now, the stag do... In America, they call it the bachelor party, um, a stag do or a stag party. And that's when the, the, the husband-to-be goes off on a weekend with his friends as a, as a last, as a kind of final party to celebrate getting married. Um, what's usual in a, in a stag do... Oh, how long have I been going? I've been going for 55 minutes on this episode. Blimey. God, I can talk. I really can. I can talk the hind legs off a donkey. Um, anyway, stag do. Normally what happens is um, the husband-to-be goes out with his friends and they get him really, really drunk and then they humiliate him in some way. For example, they dress him up um, in a stupid outfit and they make him do stupid things and he gets humiliated and it's all very funny. Um, so uh, for my stag do, we went into the countryside so I wanted to go somewhere in the countryside with fresh air. I wanted to be active. I wanted to, you know, I didn't necessarily want to be in a city because I live in a city. I wanted to be out in the English or British countryside uh, in the fresh air uh, doing stuff with some of my best friends around me. And that's exactly what we did. My brother organized it. He did a brilliant job. We uh, He booked this fantastic house in the countryside and uh, there were a few pubs nearby. And we ba- basically spent the weekend... Uh, walking around in the fresh air and visiting pubs and get, and drinking a lot and doing outdoor activities and things. And we did archery and other stuff. And it was a good chance for me to just be with my mates and just to talk nonsense with them and have a lot of fun. And yes, they did humiliate me. They dressed me up as Super Mario. So I thought I was going to be all right because it was seemed to be quite a, a relaxed stag do. And then on the Saturday, just before we went into town, you know, they pulled out this ba- plastic bag and they said, right, Luke, you've got to put this on. And so I put it, pulled it out and it was a full Super Mario costume with the blue dungarees and the red top and everything and the, and the hat and the moustache. So I was Super Mario for the day. It was very awkward and, and embarrassing because normally on a stag do, you're in a big city and um, it's quite normal. You know, if you go to Prague or if you go to Ibiza or some place like that, it's quite normal to see stag parties walking around. But we were in the countryside uh, and there weren't many people around. So it was just really embarrassing to walk into these country pubs um, everyone was kind of normal, just sort of like, oh, yeah, this is a nice place. I'll have a pint of beer, please. And then one of us is dressed as Super Mario. It was just really weird. Um, but we had a brilliant time. Um, and uh, not not completely crazy or anything, you know, nothing completely insane. Um, although I'm not telling you everything about it, but it was a good stag do. Um, let's see. My wife went on a hen do. She went on a holiday with her female friends. 
and they went abroad they they traveled abroad and had a really really nice time uh i don't know that much about it um hopefully she didn't get up to anything too dodgy but i don't think she did um because we're quite sensible people basically yeah um what else uh so after that then there was the the, the actual wedding day came, arrived, and it was uh, kind of very exciting. Suddenly, uh, a week before the wedding, we realized, oh, my God, we've only got a week left. And so there was lots of crazy running around, getting final bits of organization done, uh, all sorts of crazy stuff going on, you know, uh, the, the collecting the wedding dress and me getting my suit cut and and all sorts of final bits of organization that had to be completed, including having lots of things delivered to our apartment and then deciding who was going to deliver, who was going to drive them down to the wedding location and how we were going to get there and all this sort of stuff. Um, we arrived on the uh, Thursday evening and stayed in a little hotel. And then on Friday, we went to the wedding venue where we were also staying with some other guests. And um, probably about 70 people came to the wedding in total and probably about sort of 20 people stayed in the wedding venue. Um, so on Friday evening, we had like some drinks and just some some simple food with our close friends. It was a good chance to see everyone. Um, and then Saturday was the big day. One of the amazing things for me is that some of my friends traveled a long distance to be there. Um, some of them traveled, you know, from the north of England. Um, uh, one of my relatives traveled from Germany and uh, two of my friends came all the way from Japan. So these are two Japanese friends, two of my best friends in the world. And they came all the way from Japan for my wedding, which is incredibly touching. Um, so Friday was a nice chance to see everyone, including my Japanese friends who I hadn't, hadn't seen for a long time. And my brother was there and my cousin and we just, you know, had a relaxing drink and some food. But then Saturday was the big day. And of course, it's like an you know, exciting time. It was very, very hot during the day. So uh, most of us sort of kept out of the sunshine. We decided that we would have our celebration later on in the day, uh, in the in the late afternoon when the sun was a bit less hot. Um Oh my God, there's so much to say. You know, there's so much for me to describe, but I, I can hardly even express it. Um, so, um, okay, I'll just, I'll give it to you from my point of view, just my subjective version. So the ceremony was due to take place at five and I was very stressed, but I was okay. I was actually handling it all right. I wasn't as stressed as I thought I would be, mainly because I had my friends around. Everyone was so helpful, you know, um, making sure that the day ran smoothly. Everyone worked together brilliantly. Um, and uh, I got changed with my brother and, and my, some of my other friends, you know, and that was nice to have them around while I got ready and I got into my suit, a suit which I'd had tailor-made by a friend of ours who who runs a, a tailoring company. He uh, helpfully helped me out by uh, cutting a suit for me. It's a beautiful suit. I'm, I can't wait to wear it again. And um, I got dressed up in my suit and everything. All the guests had arrived. They were all sitting down. So to describe the, 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 the situation, imagine like what used to be a, a farm, but is now a beautiful location for a wedding uh, on the top of a hill with some grass around a, a little wall around the whole area little old stone wall and um and then in the distance um that the valley you know and the view and some lavender fields around as well and the smell of lavender in the air 
It was a beautiful sunny day, very hot, but by the end of the afternoon it had cooled down a bit and not very windy as well, which we were um, thankful for. Um, so on one side, there was a large barn. A barn is basically uh, one of those old storage buildings in a farm, you know, a very, very big building that you would use to store things in it. So it was what used to be a barn just converted into a beautiful outdoor space with one wall of the barn open and the floor concrete and just these lovely rustic walls. So that was the space where we would have the dinner covered area but open on one side and we arranged all the tables there um in a kind of horseshoe shape you know three um three long tables and so we arranged the tables there the ceremony took place opposite that uh just under the um under the eaves uh, of the building so there there was uh, a kind of veranda outside the building with a with a sloping roof over the top um, a nice traditional looking rustic building um, and uh, this space outside with a roof over the top of it and so we arranged all the chairs for the ceremony there and we had our celebrant standing at the front not a priest we chose a celebrant and uh, all the guests sitting in lines so I um, when it, when the time came I went into the back room and I met up with my brother and the other key members of the um, the procession who were getting ready to walk into the um, into the area for the ceremony. So um, I was the first to walk in, and I walked in with my mum. And uh, while we walked in, one of my wife's best friends was playing a beautiful melody on the flute, and it created an incredible atmosphere. If you can imagine the view around, the sunshine, the smell of the lavender, a slight breeze. The, the flute being played, the, all the beautiful guests looking so great, sitting down, a beautiful atmosphere. And uh, I walked in with my mum and my mum went and sat down next to my dad and I stood there at the front waiting for my wife. And then the other members of the procession came in, the other, uh, you know, um, bridesmaids, uh, my best man. And then the final person to come in, uh, and I hadn't seen her all afternoon, and I hadn't seen the dress up to that point, uh, my wife-to-be arrived with her father, and they walked very slowly uh, down the aisle towards me. And it was quite a, a powerful moment, because just, obviously not the fact, not just the fact that I'd seen her for the first time and that she looked beautiful in her dress but also just the level of intense sort of emotion that I immediately could see she was experiencing and that she could see me experiencing it too and we were kind of locked into each other and I watched her come towards me and you know you could get the sense that all of our friends and family were also experiencing this moment and it was like really magical and she um, she arrived and the, the ceremony went through you know, we our celebrant read through the ceremony and we wrote the ceremony. In fact, my wife and I had written the whole thing with the help of this celebrant. I'm calling her a celebrant. Now, she wasn't a priest because we're not religious. Um, and so who do you choose to marry you if it's not a priest and it's and it's not a, 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 a sort of member of the local council like the mayor or something? Well, we chose um, a woman who's a professional at um, leading marriage ceremonies. And so uh, she uh, had the appropriate style, the appropriate tone of voice. And uh, she was just discreet enough to basically be a mouthpiece for our our ceremony which we'd written so we spent time writing the ceremony together so it was tailored to us 
uh, the celebrant helped us and she was really useful. Uh, but ultimately, it was a, a ceremony that was specific to us. And so that made it all the more powerful. Um, and there were readings by my father and by uh, two of uh, my wife's bridesmaids. And they were very touching. And my my girlfriend and me read our vows to each other. So there was a moment where... Um, we faced each other holding the microphone and we read our promises to each other that we'd written personally. And when my wife read her vows to me, it was really emotional. And uh, she got really emotional and she couldn't finish her sentences and she had to pause to try and get control of herself. And everyone, honestly, everyone in the audience uh, was crying and there was like, there wasn't a dry eye in the, in the house. Um, it was very emotional. I got choked up as well. And so when it came time for me to read my vows to her, it was really difficult to keep my voice under control. So the whole thing was very emotional and lots of people were crying and um, it, it was really intense, actually. Um, we we then had uh, a song um, during the, the ceremony and it was uh, What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. And it was sung by um, um, the couple of the musicians from the band. And so everyone else sang along with it. Uh, that was quite a funny moment because the musicians played the song far too slowly. Uh, so it was really difficult for us to all sing along. That was the, uh, the only weak point, really, that they were singing this song. I see trees of green. And everyone's kind of, you know, Every, you can sense everyone's like, come on, make it faster because we can't sing along to this. So that was quite funny. Um, and um, it was very touching and very meaningful and f just wonderfully emotional uh, ceremony. And when it was finished, we walked up the aisle together. You know, we put the rings on and everything and you may now kiss the bride and we get had a passionate kiss and everyone was applauding and screaming and stuff and we walked down the aisle together and then we enjoyed cocktails and canapes with all our guests in these beautiful surroundings. And there was just this collective sense that everyone was having a really good time and it was worth it. You know, asking people to travel so far was worth it because... Ultimately, we brought them together in this amazing location and we delivered the, a very emotional and sincere ceremony and we shared our feelings with each other and with everyone else. And there was just this great atmosphere. I've, I, I, I didn't expect to have such a warm and emotional uh, atmosphere on the day. It was really, really special. I've never experienced anything like it before. Um, Obviously, there are lots of other things in the list here that I haven't mentioned, like the fact that we had to, you know, that my wife's wedding dress, it took her a long time, lots of, um, um, lots of, uh, she had to go through lots of different dresses before she found the one that she wanted. My suit, uh, the, the dress code for the wedding, we had to uh, organize speeches, of course, the photographer, we had to book, we had to choose gifts for, the, all, the, for all the guests, we had to order the wine and the champagne, uh, we had to fix all the other aspects of entertainment for the wedding, we had to give everyone directions on how to get there, uh, we had to sort out a rental car, we had to get all the taxis for all of the guests, there was food for the Sunday as well. Um, I've told you how we found the location for the wedding. Um, so after we got married and we had our cocktails, my wife and I went off and had photos taken 
and we had photos with, uh, you know, with family members and stuff like that. Um, I was getting a bit stressed out at that point because we were taking so many photos that I knew everyone, all the guests must have been, must have been sort of hungry and hot. So I was kind of keen to let everyone uh, sit down and eat, but I didn't need to worry. Everyone was having a nice time sitting around the swimming pool, dipping their feet in and enjoying the view. And um, so after that, we then, all the guests sat down at, the, at their tables and they had place names with, um, you know, uh, designed menus and, and place cards. My brother helped us by designing the menus and designing the name cards and, and everything. And they look absolutely beautiful. And we'd arranged them all with a with some lavender um, tied to the, uh, to, to the serviette and the menu and all of it tied together in a pack and they looked all gorgeous with flowers and candles on the tables and uh, lines of, of light bulbs above everyone's heads. Um, it, gave it, it gave it this beautiful atmosphere. So we had our, our, um, our dinner and it was delicious and everyone seemed to be happy and the wine was flowing. And um, then the speeches began and uh, I made a speech basically for the groom. The, the job of the groom in his speech is to um, thank everyone for coming. So I, I, you know, thanked lots of people and it was a chance for me to throw in a few jokes and stuff and, and thankfully people laughed at, at uh, the jokes I said. And I spoke a bit of French to my, uh, my wife's parents um, and uh, so I practiced that a bit to try and get the pronunciation right. Um, and then it, it was the turn for my girlfriend's bridesmaid and bridesman. So two of her best friends uh, gave a speech um, and that was funny and very sweet. And then my brother did his best man speech. And that was amazing. He's funny. He's really funny. He really did a great job on the best man speech. And um, it was just great to see. And then after that, um, the Thompson Corporation took the stage. That's That was obviously me and my brother and, and my cousin. And I sang a song for my uh, my wife. And I'd written the song a few weeks earlier. And I was stressing out. That was maybe the thing I was most worried about, actually. Um, is getting the song right and hoping that everyone would enjoy it because it was a mixture of sort of sentimental love declaration to my wife and some humorous elements. And thankfully, it worked fine. People were touched by the emotional stuff and they laughed at the funny stuff. Um, And uh, then we played four other songs, um, including uh, Baby It's You by The Beatles and uh, uh, Stand By Me by Benny King and also Wonderwall by Oasis because that's one of my wife's favourite songs and another song called Between Us by one of my favourite bands called The Ruttles so four love songs and then once we'd finished the, the proper professional band took over and they were brilliant and it was brilliant because everyone was dancing um, in the middle of the room, loads of people were dancing, and basically we spent the spent the rest of the night dancing. Um, and I had such a good time jumping around, dancing all evening to this wonderful music. I had just a brilliant time um, dancing with my wife and just having a good time with all my friends, um, drinking lots of champagne and having a, a fantastic time. Um, I could go on. I mean, I could go on. Maybe I should just mention something about the civil marriage. Okay. So some people um some people expressed some sense of uh skepticism over the idea of a civil marriage. So not not everyone um 
not everyone. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before I do this, before I before I talk about that, I need to make a special announcement to um, certain Lepsters, certain listeners to Luke's English podcast, because um, in some at some point during the night, my mum and dad and my brother um, grabbed me and they said, "Luke, come with me. Come into this room. We want to show you something." I was like, hello, what's this? And so they, they dragged me into a room and a bunch of other people followed, including my wife and, and other members of uh, the family and some of our friends. So there was a group of about 15 of us and we all uh, went into a room and uh, my mum my played this video on her laptop to us. And guess what? It was a video from listeners to Luke's English podcast congratulating me. Um, so at, at this point in this episode, I would just like to say a very massive thank you to Guillaume and everyone else who contributed to this gift, which was a video from people around the world congratulating me on the, on, on the wedding. So Guillaume from Switzerland decided to make this video for my wedding day as a way of saying congratulations and also thank you for doing the podcast. Um, he contacted Lepsters all around the world and asked them to record a short video message of congratulations for my wedding day. He then collected the video footage together and edited it all into one video. And the cool thing about it is that the video was made to look like a BBC News report with the graphics and everything and with correspondence from different countries in the world. And there were contributions from Guillaume from Switzerland, uh, Zdenek from the Czech Republic, Jan from the Czech Republic, Daniele from Italy, Denise from Sao Paulo in Brazil, Rafael from Brazil, Sam in the UK, Edison from Colombia, Edgar from Mexico, Chris from Mexico, Teodora from Romania, Takako from Japan, Trali from Vietnam and Gloria from Argentina. I think that's everyone. Uh, so thank you all so, so much for the messages. Um, it was incredible. It was absolutely amazing to receive them and to see this video. I didn't expect it. And it was just like the icing on the cake for me. Um, and I watched it together with my wife and my brother and my parents and a group of other people. And everyone was blown away, you see. Everyone who saw it was completely blown away because they didn't realize that I'm a bit famous around the world. Um, my wife and I especially were very touched by the messages and the bits of advice about marriage too. Um, we certainly learned from the advice that marriage is a workshop in which the man works and the woman shops. So that's a good bit of advice to remember. Um, now, you should be able to see the video uh, that I was sent on the page for this episode. Uh, I think I'm going to upload it um, Probably with Guillaume's uh, approval, I'm going to upload it onto the page for this episode and then you'll be able to see it for yourself. Um, there's just too much for me to say about this wedding, too many things to talk about, but maybe I should just deal with the question of the civil marriage. Because, um, as I said, some people, not people in our closest circle of friends, but some, some people uh, expressed some doubt and scepticism over our decision to have a non-religious wedding in a neutral space, meaning not in a church. Now, for me, not only is that a little bit disrespectful, in my opinion, it's also a little bit short-sighted. So this is the question of, why did we have a civil marriage? Why didn't we have a religious marriage in a, in a, um, in a, a church? And is it... Um, meaningless is a civil marriage meaningless well no isn't is a non-religious wedding meaningless no absolutely not uh first of all religion 
doesn't have a monopoly on feelings and emotions, sincerity and somber promises of faith and respect. Okay, now just because um, religion was not present in the cele- in the ceremony, it doesn't mean that feelings, emotions, and uh, significance were also not present because they were. We had tons of emotion and significance. Um, now these are all things that come from a natural wellspring of humanity that we all have inside us, okay? We're born with these feelings and that potential for humanity and an emotion, in my opinion. So I believe it's entirely possible to have a meaningful and emotional wedding without the presence of religious faith. In fact, that's exactly what happened because it was a very moving and positive marriage. Now, I don't mean to disrespect those who choose to have religious weddings. Absolutely, I completely respect that. But what I'm dealing with here is those who can't understand how a civil wedding is possible. So I'm just trying to explain that. Um, Ultimately, my wife and I don't have religious faith. um, So it would be hypocritical of us to have had a religious marriage. But it was a very touching wedding. And I think everyone agreed. So many people cried during the ceremony because it was so emotional. But that's because it was a true and sincere statement of love and commitment from me to my wife. We, we wrote the words of the ceremony, not a priest. The promises came from within us, not from above. Uh, the vows were witnessed by our friends and family. And ultimately, they're the ones who define the world around us. They are the communion in which we are joined together. And they are the community in which we will continue to be married. So it was important for me to share that sincerely with them. And it was, in fact, their audience that gave the weight and power uh, to the proceedings, in my opinion. I'll give you an example, okay? So that Japanese couple who I mentioned, uh, who I am very close to, but I haven't seen for 10 years, they came to the wedding. They traveled all the way from Japan, which is a long and expensive flight. It must have been very difficult for them to come. Um, But they did it, and they did it for us. And for me, this is a huge and sincere statement of support for our decision to get married. By traveling so far, they reinforced our marriage. And I feel the wedding is even more validated by such a sincere act of friendship and support. And I believe that the marriage is stronger as a result because they added extra weight to our commitment to be together. So now we really mean to stay together and hold true to our promise. And we know that our closest friends and family are there to help us stay together. And I don't want that journey by my Japanese friends to be a waste of time. So, you know, it's like a, a, a very sincere way of, of trying to uh, support our union. Um, so that is as meaningful just as meaningful as um, being told that our union is is witnessed by um, a deity. Um, So for me, the friendship uh, and the intentions and support and emotions of the family and friendship is a genuine, tangible form of communion. Um, Also, the wedding was a significant moment for me as an expatriate living away from home in a foreign country. Uh, It was an event at which my UK life and my French life joined together and also my online life as well with that video. Suddenly, my UK friends saw my French life with my French friends. Also, my French friends saw me with my UK friends and they understood more. These friends who didn't know each other suddenly spent a weekend together. 
it was so it was a very important time in bringing my circle of friends closer together giving me extra security and i feel that my life is less disconnected than it was before so the wedding brought people together and that's also very important so you can see the ways in which it wasn't a meaningless event in fact it was quite the opposite it was deeply meaningful and powerful um So luckily, everyone got on with each other and there was very little drama or trouble or anything. And I think that's just because we've got some awesome friends and it was really cool to mix them all together. In fact, seeing all my closest friends and family all in one place was quite incredible. Every person there was special to me in in some way. And really, the whole experience was quite overwhelming. So the wedding was a celebration of friendship, love and commitment, and it was a success. Um, And so what do I expect from marriage in the future? Well, I don't expect it to be a solution to problems. I think that's a mistake. Some people might believe that getting married means that suddenly your problems disappear and that your life is just, in fact, your whole life was just a mission to get married to the right person. I don't agree with that. I'm I'm well aware that marriage requires work and patience. It can feel restrictive and all that. But I think that if you don't hide from this reality and if you're honest with yourself about, you know, the fact that marriage does require some work, that, and, and if you don't live in fear of conflict and that you celebrate each other every day in some way and make an effort to reward each other and communicate properly and so on, then I think it can be a really wonderful thing. In fact, I already find it very fulfilling and rewarding already just after a few weeks. How, you might ask? Well, there is a sense of security and family that you have in joining with someone and becoming an official team. Also, I just enjoy calling her my wife. Uh, And it's just, I feel like we've got a a stronger form of unity that is now recognized by everyone. It's like official that we are an item, Um, as if it wasn't official before, but it's like extra official now. I'm sure that there will be moments of hardship in our marriage, but I, just like in any marriage, if, if we're honest. But I really believe that you can't escape the, difficulty in, the difficulties in life. You can't escape the difficulties in life. It's better to just face them and just proceed and, you know, take control of your life with confidence, knowing that you can't escape from trouble. The trouble will come and get you in the end, you know, and if you choose, if you, like, for example, if you choose not to get married because you're scared that it might be hard, Well, I guess it's a personal choice in the end, but I think hardship will come and find you somehow. I was okay with being single, in fact, and I was okay with being alone because I wasn't a massive like player. I wasn't a a playboy or anything. So I was quite happy being a single guy and, and, and being alone, in fact, but I prefer being in a, in partnership with my wife. Um, I've lost my single status and whatever freedoms that involved. But as I said, I wasn't a big player anyway. And I feel like I've gained something more than that single status. I've gained the companionship of my wife and the influence of her on me. And I think it's a good choice. I just hope that we stay close like this for the rest of our marriage and that we find new depths to our relationship and that it doesn't go wrong at any point. I hope that we stay friends as well as lovers all the way through. I think that it's actually I think it's up to us. As long as the spark is still there, I think it's up to us to nurture it and turn it into a warm and nourishing fire, as you were. Uh, uh, yeah, a warm and nourishing fire that, that I hope will, will stay burning forever. Um, are you having a honeymoon? Yes, as I said, we're going to California. 
Um, or even though it appears to be on fire at the moment and literally on fire, because looking at news reports about California, there's it seems to be burning. I mean, there's like forest fires and uh, uh, lightning fires and things. So uh, it's a bit worrying. And also San Francisco is expecting a big earthquake at any time. So this is where we're going to spend our honeymoon. It could be an adventure. We originally planned to visit South America, as I said, but we've postponed that because we left the planning too late. Um, so so there you are, okay? Um, there are plenty of places that we would like to visit. I realize that we're going to California, but we'd love to go to you know South America and everywhere, Mexico and Peru and Bolivia, Colombia and Brazil and Argentina and Chile and so on. We'd love to go to Japan as well. I plan to take my wife to Japan to show her around where I used to live. And I think that would be great and a great experience. Also, we'd like to do a tour of the UK because I want to, I want to go to Scotland and visit the Highlands of Scotland. And uh, I want to take my wife to Wales and show her the beautiful countryside that there is there and the Lake District and, and all sorts of other places in the UK. The UK is a beautiful holiday destination if you don't mind a little bit of grey weather every now and then. Um, and finally, at nearly an hour and a half of this podcast... Are you still there, ladies and gentlemen? Are you still listening? Are you still alive? I hope so. I hope I haven't bored you to death with this account of my my wedding. Uh, I, I genuinely hope I've managed to get across some of the, the complex feelings that it involved. Um, finally, the final question here is, is your wife going to be on the podcast, which some of my listeners have been asking me? Well, maybe. We will see. I think her English is definitely good enough. Uh, and I think she's charming and lovely. Uh, and I, I think you'd like to hear her, but I'd quite like to keep her to myself, you know. As I've said on the podcast before, there are certain things that I just have, what's the word for it? There's certain things I've sort of ring-fenced in my life and certain things I'm just not going to deal with. And I think that one of them is my wife. I want to keep her private. Thanks very much. So we will see. You might hear her, hear her on the podcast in the future. You never know. You might hear her in my California honeymoon podcast um but i'm not making any promises okay so that's it that's the end of this episode um i've tried to just give you a first-hand account of of what it's like to get married um and i hope that you've you know i hope that you've enjoyed listening to it don't forget there will be vocab about weddings coming soon uh but for now it's time for me to just bring this episode to a close so i'm going to do that right now so here we go nice to speak to you Speak to you again soon, but for now, it's bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.